sister actually, but it happened to me personally uh, the Thursday before. And uh, there's just been a, um, an unction of the Spirit, a compelling in my spirit uh, to do that. And so I, I just think it's really important that the, uh, the church really need or the world really needs the church to be the church right now. Now, thank God for <clears throat> we come together and we're here to strengthen each other. We're here to encourage each other. Um, we're here to experience Jesus, experience Jesus in each other, experience Jesus in worship. Um, you know, we, we want that empowerment and that strength. Um, but how many know that, that you know, we're, called, we're called to be a light? And that light shines in darkness, right? And, and so, um, but I also, you know, God's never going to ask something of you that He didn't first supply to you. You know, that's the difference between the Old Covenant and New Covenant. Old Covenant constantly made demands on humanity um, and to show them they didn't have the ability to live up to those demands the New Covenant's not like that. Under the New Covenant, God blesses you first. God loves you first. God supplies to you first. And then everything that comes from you is something that God has already given to you. And so, you know, it's a beautiful thing to allow. Uh, that's a part of our relationship with the Lord is allowing it to flow out of us. And so we've been doing, you know, I've been doing a lot of evangelism personally. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't lead you anywhere that I haven't already been. And um, I, I've personally been doing that, you know, been doing a lot of witnessing, been in the streets a lot, uh, been preaching in the streets and stuff like that. I've really enjoyed it. It's been really exciting. And uh, it's been really good. And so what we want to do is we want to, uh, might maybe turn me down just touch, John, sorry. We want to create an environment where we're encouraging each other um, to do that. We're stirring each other up. You know, and last, last Sunday we, we took a look at, you know, how the gospel, you know, is referred to in the book of Ephesians as being, you know, shoes on your feet. In other words, um, everywhere that you're standing, um, you're carrying the good news. And um, there's just an awareness of that good news. And when you, you know, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so really, when we, when we put it in the forefront of our minds, then we see more opportunity to share the hope that is within us because this is a lost and dying world and people need the light that's on the inside of you. And so now the way you're going to do things is going to be different than the way I'm going to do things. And how many know we're not called to compare each other to each other? That's extremely important. The last thing on earth I want is the enemy to be able to get in here and bring in a performance atmosphere. Like, man, we can't. We, we've come too far to go back to that. And so I need your help in shutting the enemy down if he tries to bring in condemnation to you because, you know, you didn't talk to anybody last week about Jesus or you didn't pray for anybody or anything like that. How many know God loves you whether you ever do that or not? How many know you're the righteousness of God whether you do that or not? How many know there are different personality types? And so there's different giftings. Now, we are all ministers of reconciliation and we all have a part to play in the kingdom. You know, there's, there are no spectators, but at the same time, the way you serve God is going to look different than the way that I serve God. And so please, as we move forward in this, don't compare yourself to somebody else and don't get in condemnation. Will you promise me you won't do that? Don't allow the enemy to bring in condemnation into your life, okay? Don't shut him down. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Any tongue of judgment that arise against you, you condemn it. Can I get an amen? 
Yeah, I need that because if not, then what ends up happening is because the way the enemy messes up beautiful things all the time is he throws that monkey wrench of legalism into the atmosphere. And the next thing you know, you're like, here, here comes this thought. Well, I didn't tell nobody about Jesus last week. You know, I'm not, I'm not as spiritual as so-and-so or, you know, I'm this and I'm that. And, oh, man, I should be, I could be, I should be. I Don't take that burden on you, okay? Please don't do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to constantly attack that as we continue to move forward with this because I don't want you to go back to what you came from. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? I care, I care too much about you for you to deal with that. So be at peace about that. There's going to be differences. Like, for example, me and Stacy, I'm out quite often. I'm out in the public quite often. Stacy is, is elbow deep in babies right now. <laughs> you know who Stacy's telling about Jesus? Her family. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what she's called to do. You know? And so you know, me doing what I'm doing is not more important than what she's doing. It's so important to understand that. There's different, there's different parts of the body, you know? Um, and, and so one of the ways that she impacts everything that I do is that she's so full of wisdom that, you know, if I'm about to do something, because, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm ready to go, you know, and I, that's just the way God created me. I'm set on go. I'm full throttle. And that's good, but it's also not good. And uh, I need the voice of wisdom, you know, uh, to because <laughs> I'm ready, you know what I'm saying? So, I listen to her. She gives me wisdom. She helps helps to direct my zeal. Can I get an amen? And so, I mean, we're a partnership. We work together. We all need each other. So, so please understand, as we move forward in this, I don't want there to be any form of competition. I don't want there to be any performance. I don't want there to be any condemnation. I just know the world's hurting and the world needs us. And, you know, and so we, we want to create an atmosphere where we're, where we're just excited and, and stirring, stirring each other up about sharing. About sharing. We, uh, we hit the streets on Wednesday and, uh, for the first time. And, um, and so, you know, it was cold. It was kind of rainy. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't feel like doing it at all. Like, not at all. My flesh. How many of your flesh ain't about serving God? Your flesh about some popcorn in the couch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And so, and so I, didn't want to, I didn't feel like doing it. And, and how many know the enemy doesn't want me to do it? See, it's, the way God showed it to me, it's not enough for me to do this. I have to, I have to help other people do this. I'm not called to just catch fish. I'm called to train people how to catch fish. And he made that very clear to me. And so, uh, because I'm the type of person, like, I, I, I'm, I like operating alone. Like, I really do. Like, I feel very comfortable alone. I feel, I'm not a loner. You know, I'm a social person, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. There's just something about me. Like, I feel comfortable alone. I feel comfortable standing alone. Like, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't bother me. But um, I need to make myself accessible and to help other people. I mean, you know, when Jesus spoke to Peter, he said, I'm going to teach you how to be a fisher of men. And so, um, and so a part of that is what we're doing on Wednesday nights is me, you know, taking people out and teaching people. And so slowly, everybody kind of canceled on me. Everybody canceled, you know, everybody but Connie. And so, and, and I was sitting here at the, and I mean, don't, no condemnation for canceling. Be at peace. It's all good. There's none. I was hoping Connie was going to cancel so I could go home. <laughs> I was. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I can't help. I just, here I am. You know what I'm saying? It's not, because like, I didn't feel like doing it. Like I really didn't. It was cold. I'm thinking it's cold out. Ain't nobody outside. You know, and so we were going to come to the church, we we're going to pray from six to seven, then we we're going to hit the streets, right? And everybody canceled, and I was like, okay, come on, Connie, 
Come on, Connie, cancel. I'm just being honest. And then she shoots me a text. I just left the house. I'll be there in just a little bit. But this is exactly what I needed. I needed that. And so here she comes, full of zeal, right? Ready to go. And you know what happens to me? Her zeal impacts me. I'm just being honest in a very positive way because my flesh did not feel like preaching out on the streets. My, my flesh wanted to go get a blanket and sit on the couch and eat pizza, you know? So just being honest, I mean, just being real. Amen. And that's okay. And that's okay. It's totally okay. No condemnation, right? How I many of the Lord loves you whether you go or whether you don't go? He loves you the same. So she came and it was, so it was, it was good and I needed it. How I many know we need each other? Can I get an amen? We all need each other. We need to encourage each other. And so, uh, and so I felt like we need to go now. Like we were going to pray, but like it's already cold. And so let's just go now. So I said, Connie, let's just go. Let's just go right now. And so um, we prayed quickly and then we just, we went out and you know what? We had the most amazing time. It was absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. Because, you know, the enemy's drawn all these scenarios in your mind of people rejecting you, people throwing stones at you, people yelling at you, you know, rejection after rejection after rejection. How I many know the enemy does not want the church sharing the good news? How I many? And it did warm up. And it did warm up. How I many know the enemy's totally okay with the legalist preaching? He wants them to preach. He wants that legalist on the street corner condemning everybody to hell. He wants them out there telling everybody about their sin. He wants condemnation rolling. So the enemy does not stand in the way of the legalist. In fact, he cheers them on because they're actually working for him whether they realize it or not. Even though they're wonderful people and they're good people and they're saved and they're part of our family, they actually do more damage than good, but they just don't know it. Anybody used to be a legalist? Yeah, amen. So it's, I mean, you know, good crowd, right? So... But so anyway, and so so we hit the streets, and you know what? Ninety percent of the people were extremely receptive, extremely receptive. And um, I would say the highlight for me is that we got to pray for two young men who were coming off of drugs. And uh, the first young man that we see, and what we did, we just got in the car and did drive-bys. You know, we didn't go to the park and preach or anything like that. We just got in a car, we found somebody, we'd park, and then we'd go approach him. <laughs> Try to be as indiscreet as we can. I'm not trying to freak anybody out. But, um, uh, but anyway, so the first one, we parked the car, and then we, you know, we walked up to this young man. And, we, I, you know, and I've changed my approach. I, I've had a lot of different approaches through the years. You do whatever God leads you to do, but I just come out with the love of God. Just guns blazing. You know what I'm saying? And, and I just look someone in the eye, and I'm like, do you know God loves you? And He loves you more than anyone has ever loved you before. That's just, that's my entrance into their hearts. And every person that I said that to received. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's disarming. I didn't say a word about their sin. I didn't say a word about their failure. I just open up with the love of God. And then I transition over into talking about Jesus as I open up with the love of God. Amen? Well, this guy went to, was, I guess, in rehabilitation for a week and a half. And he lit up like a daggone Christmas tree, didn't he? Like he was, he, his name was Adam, you know. And, uh, and so we talked to him and shared with him, and it was wonderful. And then uh, we prayed with him right in the street, and I asked Connie to pray for him. Well, man, I mean, and so we, so here's the thing you got to understand. We're making contact with this young man's heart with the love of God. 
We're letting him know that, I mean, the reason we're even out there is because of how much God loves him and God wants him to know that. How I many of that's a tremendous encouragement for him? And then we're going to stop in the middle of the street, not in the middle of the street, praise God. We're not those people. On the side of the street. And we're going to pray. And man, you know, Connie will pray heaven down. You know what I'm saying? Connie's going to intercede for this brother, and she did. And you know what? The power of God showed up. The presence of God showed up. I mean, it was just awesome. But the whole time, how many know he's being ministered to? How many know we're being ministered to? And how many know everybody that drives by knows what's going on? And this is what I'm talking about, the fragrance of Jesus. You know, people sitting there holding hands, praying. Every, I mean, it's not just what's happening to him, it's what's happening to everyone around. Are y'all tracking me here? And so, um, and then we had, a, we had another opportunity to pray for a young man who, who was coming out of addiction. And uh, we just had an awesome time. I mean, it was just wonderful. We really did, we only had a couple people just kind of snub us or whatever, and it wasn't anything dramatic. But 90% of the people were super excited, super thankful. And so, um, did anybody specifically get saved? No, not that night they didn't. Uh, but how many know that salvation was, was, was poured out and people were ministered to? How many know sometimes you're, you're sowing seed, sometimes you're watering, and then sometimes you're reaping? And so, anyway, it was wonderful. We're going to continue to do that, and we're going to continue to minister, and we're going to continue to do that encouragement. And uh, so we'll be here on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We're probably not going to pray much. We're just going to run out and hit the streets. And that's what we're going to do again. You guys are welcome to come. No condemnation if you don't come. Amen? So uh, be at peace with that. But here's the thing. The more you get in the flow of it, the easier it gets. Because it starts coming to the forefront of your mind. It's what you're thinking when you're out. You're thinking ministry, you know? Sometimes you hit it. Sometimes you miss it. I want to share a time when I missed it real quick. Um, we, uh, Stacy and I, were in the morning, we're talking about how we want to switch over from mulch to rock. I'm tired of mulch. Mulch is a never-ending battle. It's beautiful, but then it just gets old. And then it's, so we want to switch over to rock. We talked about it. And then all of a sudden, uh, someone posts on Facebook, hey, free rock, come get it. We're switching over to mulch. We were like, yes, praise God. Like, like an hour later, right? So anyway, so I go over here to these people's house, and I'm just shoveling all this rock out, right? And the guy comes out, and he's talking to me, you know? And then he starts sharing with me his infirmity and sharing with me how he's going to have to get surgery and sharing with me all these things. What's he asking for? Prayer, right? And so I should have prayed for him when he said that, okay? But I didn't. I waited, and then I didn't get another chance to pray with him. So what I, what I want to show you is, I mean, I, mean, I missed it there, right? Like I could have, I should have handled that differently. But what I want to show you is you're going to hit it and you're going to miss it. It's a part of, 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 of doing ministry. How I many you know nobody hits the basketball court and hits 100% of their shots? No, no, one, no one in baseball, every swing they hit is a home run, right? And so, like, we had some opportunities where some good things happened. Then I had, I had a setup. God threw me the pitch. And I waited too long to swing. Amen? And that's okay. Can I get an amen? There's no condemnation. I feel bad about it. But I feel like it's as important to share those moments with you as it is to share other moments as well. Amen? Moments of victory, moments of not victory. So anybody have something that they want to share in terms of uh, maybe an opportunity to share their faith or something this week? Well, I, I just want to 
share something from Wednesday sure. night yeah. that touched my heart, and I, ha um, I haven't talked to Jeremiah about it so much. Yeah. But but when we stopped and the young woman was walking the dog, and yeah. you just rolled the window down and started talking to her, and she said she was a believer, and she asked if we were from a church. Yeah. And Jeremiah didn't. Oh yeah, I'm a pastor. Yeah. You know. Here's he, my he, card. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> So it wasn't about it wasn't a, about growing Grace Point, and he shared that. You know, he didn't yeah. even. I, I don't even know if you mentioned the name of our church. I, I, I can't remember, but I just remember thinking, wow, you know, because that's what it is about. It's not about um, it's not about getting out there and you know, oh, because because John and I did we we did when we first started going to church, we did the visitation thing, and we went door to door to door to door. And, and so um, we actually had somebody ask us one time if we were ready to go ahead and meet Jesus right then, you know. <laughs> and, and we were like, no, we have two small children at home. I think I would rather stay here right now. So we quickly left that house and never yeah. went back. But, 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 you know, but it wasn't about really sharing Jesus with people so much as it was trying to get people to come to our church. Your church yes. And so for me, this is where it's like, no, I, I mean, I would love for everybody to come here sure, and sit sure. here. But it's about Jesus, yeah. you know, because Jeremiah, Jeremiah isn't going to get anybody saved himself. Mm -hmm. It's Christ in you. That's right. And, and so, you know, so it's not about, oh, you got to come hear Jeremiah Johnson yes. or Grant Fraley or yeah. whoever is going to speak that week. It's not about that person. It is about the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. Thank you for, for sharing that. It's, you know, because in the past, the way we viewed evangelism is it's church growth. You know, yeah. it's church. we try to grow a church. We try to grow church. That's not in the book. The book is go ye, not come ye. You know, and you know, and pray, you know, and praise God for people coming to church. I want to pastor people, I want to help people. But if my primary goal for witnessing in the streets is to get people to come to my church, I've missed the point of the kingdom. Yes, do people need to be discipled? Absolutely. It's very important, it's very healthy. But see, the beauty of a pure motive is you don't have this ulterior motive. You're just looking to bless people. You know, you're just looking to help people. So anyway, with that, did you have something, please? Yeah. So just, just as an encouragement, getting someone saved, is, it shouldn't be like, that's what must happen. Uh, um, it's about being the voice of the Lord in, in, in the earth, bringing light. Um, and I had an experience Saturday morning where I picked up a lady over uh, at... Um, Uber. Uber. I was Uber. We're going to help you. <laughs> I'm, assuming, I'm assuming everyone knows what I do. I'm so sorry. I, I, was, I was driving Uber. <laughs> and, we're, and we're here again. We were just here last week. It never fails. <laughs> we do. <sighs> Okay, so this lady it is so cool. Thank you, Lord. Uh, she was over getting her hair done, getting prepared for a wedding. Yeah. And she came out and she got the, she got an Uber. She had a blowout in her car, so that was already frustrating her. Yeah. And then she had had to use an Uber to run her errands that morning before the wedding. Wow. And she got in the car and you know and. She was, I say, hey, ma'am, how you doing? 
you know, I always try to greet people and I like to, I, how are you doing? Sometimes that can just give you an inroad. Oh, absolutely. How are you doing? Yes. How are you today? You know? She goes, I'm not doing too good. I'm like, I hate the way my hair looks. Mm. And, and, and then the Lord just puts, puts, the Lord just gives me this wisdom thing to say. I said, well, ma'am, because I, like, this is not me. It's like, well, ma'am, women tend to overshoot so far that when they land, it's pre still pretty awesome. Mm. And it was just that little phrase mm -hmm. that I knew he put in my heart to say to her that mm -hmm. would, it's like, well, you know, that would create safety. I was like, after I, as I thought about it at first, after it, after it, it's like, man, the Lord gave me something to say that wouldn't make her feel awkward, yeah. but that would create safety and just encourage her heart. Good. That, because it's just you sowed a seed there. I mean, people. The point is being a contact point for the glory of God. Yeah, that's the point. the The, the point is that you can be a vessel of His love to that person, and in that moment, she was having a really. I just felt His compassion for her. She Good. was having a really hard day. Her daughter's getting married. She's stressed out. Yeah, she doesn't feel pretty. And the Lord was like, give me just something a little bit say to her. Come on. And we and, and you know what? Immediately her mood changed. Yeah. And she felt encouraged. And we just talked a little bit on the way up as I took her to it wasn't very you know, we didn't talk a whole lot. Yeah. But I but I could tell that that thing just broke off that that heaviness off her heart and that sadness off her heart. And yeah. and, and and you know, and I just encouraged her as a man, it looks really good. You know, yeah. it's like but it's stuff like that. It's not, hey, do you, do you know Jesus, our Lord and Savior? Like, <laughs> you all see that thing on the internet. Don't run from the Lord, and they take off running anyways. It's funny. Um, but I want to, my own personal, I used to go out and street preach. And we used to, I mean, we got, we did skits and stuff. Like, we would have a person wrapped up in burial clothes and like do all that kind of stuff and I'm telling you now what I do just being led by the spirit is a billion times more effective than what I did in five years of street preaching sure. three times a week for five years yeah I bear more fruit just by listening to papa and speaking what he wants to say because he knows what's going on in a heart right. and there's something about the Lord wants to minister the prophetic through all of us to That's people right. and letting that prophetic evangelism come on you to where you can speak something that'll give you an inroad to that person's heart. And just, just, uh, but it's hard to hear that when you're putting the pressure of performance on yourself. Yeah. That'll shut that down. When you let go of that, I must do this thing and Lord, what do you want to do? And when you just simply ask, Lord, what do you want to do? Good. And just trust him to speak to that, that he's not looking for you to make a checklist of how many people you talk to Jesus in a day. It's not how he operates. Because he's about quality, not quantity. It's good. And it's just, good, man. Yeah, just be led, just, just be at peace about that. It's good. Yeah, it's a, the, the yoke of Jesus is easy and light, and uh, it's a flow. And... Uh, it's good. Thank you for sharing that. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, y'all. And I've uh, just got some things I want to get into here this morning. But, you know, we're going to take the first portion of the service and just talk a little bit about these things that try to stir each other up and, uh, and just, uh, you know, help each other, you know. 
And it's, it's exciting, man. It's exciting to care for people and to love on people. It's a good thing. Um, what I want to do this morning in the time that we have is I just want to, I want to take a look at, at the way that the early church ministered. Um, I want to take a look at how they preached and what they preached to help us understand um, how we are uh, to function as the body of Christ in the time that we're living in. So in Acts chapter 1, and in verse 8, um, and we, we actually looked at this, this passage last time we were together, but it says, You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so the Spirit of God has come upon you for an empowerment uh, to, to witness, um, and to witness of Jesus, His death, His burial, His resurrection. And um, to shine the light, and uh, but you, there is a there is an empowerment by the Spirit of God. So God has empowered you with His Spirit in order to do this. And let's turn to uh, Acts chapter two, and I want to take a look at just the first sermon. This is the very first sermon that's preached, and we want to take a look at uh, not only the sermon itself but the audience. This is a sermon preached specifically to Jewish people. The next sermon that we're going to look will be a sermon that's, that, that's preached specifically to Gentiles. And then the last one we're going to take a look at, there will be a mixed crowd. There'll be Jews and Gentiles that are there. And so um, Acts chapter 2 and in verse 14, this is Peter preaching after Pentecost. And uh, this is the message um, that he preaches. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing up the eleven raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Now, this is after Pentecost. This is after the Holy Ghost has fell. You know, people are, are speaking in tongues out in the public and everyone's hearing uh, their own dialect and their own, their own language and they're hearing, you know, people, uh, uh, you know, glorify God and His works and all that. And so there's this major outpouring of the spirits, the birthing of the church, um, uh, you know, it's Pentecost, and then, you know, Peter's explaining what's going on. So, just let you know that. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. In these days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he starts to quote the book of Joel. And, and what I want to, to, to bring in, into focus here once again is, how I many you know this is talking about an outpouring of God's Spirit? This is talking about supernatural, powerful things that are going to happen. So, what I want and, and if you look at the early church, you know, they preached the, the message, and we're going to take a look at the message because we want to get the message right. Um, but we want to understand that the Spirit of God is going to be doing supernatural things through your life the entire time. There were healings that happened, there were miracles that happened. Um, there'll be leadings of the Spirit. You know, Brian sharing how the, you know, he had something specific to say. What you have to understand is this is not you by yourself doing this. The Spirit of God is going to help you 
Spirit of God is going to come upon you and your personality, and He's going to shine light through you the way that He shines light, but you are not alone. And so this, um, this passage is talking about the book of Joel, and um, he's saying, hey man, the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. And so we are in expectation for the Spirit of God to move. We are in expectation for the Spirit of God to do supernatural things in the church, but not just in the church, but outside of the church. Amen? And then he ends it, and he goes, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he moves on, and he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now you have to understand is that this message is specific to the Jewish people in that he's bringing out the truth that they did crucify the Lord of glory. And so, you know, you're not going to come up to a Gentile and say, you crucified Jesus. That's not going to be a part of a Gentile being an unbeliever. You're not going to, you're not, that's not going to be a part of your message. But specifically, since this is specifically to the Jews and during that time period, he shares the reality that they rejected their Christ that they've been waiting on for so long. And in doing so, the Spirit of God takes those words and brings conviction in their hearts. And it's actually a part of their salvation process. I just want to bring that out. Um, and it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So they were brought to a place of conviction. They were brought to a place of, man, we did reject the Messiah. We did reject the Christ. Now, anytime someone's going to get saved, there's going to be an element of, of time where they humble themselves. Remember, the, 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 the Spirit of God convicts the world of unbelief in Jesus. You're not called to make that happen. The Spirit of God does that. You guys remember when you got saved? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, remember, I came to the end of myself. The, my, your heart humbles itself, and it's almost like, you know, I always view Jesus as being the outstretched arm of God's salvation. If someone's fallen on the ground, and they keep wanting to get back up in their own strength, and you try to give them a hand, and they, they hit your hand away, um, and they keep wanting to get back up in their own strength, how I many of oh, that person isn't ready yet? But when you're on the ground and you fall to the ground and you're tired of trying to lift yourself back up and you're trying to save yourself, how I many know oh, you will humble yourself to receive help? Can I get an amen? There's a humility that happens in the heart before reception of salvation happens. And only the Spirit of God can do that work. You know? And, and so he, he shares with them the message. They're cut to the heart and they're like, hey, what shall we do? Just like the jailer. When, uh, when, when, they, when, they, um, when uh, Peter and I believe it was, no, 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 it was Paul and Silas, you know, they were, they were in prison because they were preaching the gospel. And all of a sudden, you know, an earthquake, they were singing psalms and hymns, an earthquake hit the place and all the doors opened up and the jailer come running in and he was ready to kill himself because he knew he was going to die. And they stopped him. And then he said... Now here, he's in, he's in this tremendous moment. He said, what shall I do to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord, be baptized, you shall be saved. Notice he didn't say you're already saved. It's all, cool. it's all good. Jesus' work is done and there's no need for, to receive salvation. Notice he didn't say that. You know why he didn't say that? Because you're not automatically saved. You've got to receive you have to, you got free will. God's not going to take your, God didn't take, if God was going to take free will away, he'd take it away from Adam and Eve so this whole thing wouldn't have spun out into chaos. You still have free will. Universalism removes your free will. Calvinism removes your free will. It's not love. It's not God. What shall we do that we may be saved? 
and then he got saved. He received. But there is a humility that happened in his heart, and then he, then he received salvation. The same thing's happening to the Jews right here. Then Peter said to them, Repent, change your mind, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now you have to understand that word baptized is being immersed. Let's read it like that. Repent, change your mind, and let every one of you be immersed into Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. How many know when you receive Jesus, you step into Christ? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Are you tracking me? What he was doing is he was inviting the Jewish nation to step into Christ. How many know they, there's an element of death that you experience when you receive Jesus as Savior? How many know your old person gets crucified with Christ and you become a new creation in Christ Jesus? He's inviting them to be immersed in Jesus. How many know the purpose of baptism is to show you what already happened in the realm of the Spirit? Baptism showing you your old person died, your new person arises in Christ. But you literally step into Christ, and Christ steps into you. You actually lose ownership of yourself, and the life which you now lead, you lead by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. How many know you're no longer apart from the body? You're in the body. You function as a part of the body of Christ. Now, the, we can choose to be spirit-led or not be spirit-led because God gives us the freedom to do that, but we are a part of something greater than ourselves. Can I get an amen? We're now in Christ. It says, Repent and let every one of you be immersed into the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So I love this. Peter, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, is preaching, and he's already shining light to the fact that how many know God's going to invite the Gentiles into this same covenant? But at this time, the Gen they, they, these guys didn't really know. I mean, when we look at the next sermon, um, how many know you can get under the prophetic and say things beyond your understanding? Any of us can, you can just, well, the Spirit of God can fall on you and you can say things beyond your understanding. But the next sermon that we're going to see is when Peter is literally preaching to the Gentiles. And so anyway, and so he says, hey, all you got to do is change your mind, believe, receive, and you shall be saved. And how many know we know 3,000 people got saved that day? 3,000 people got saved that day. Under, that, under the administration of that sermon. I mean, you know, not everybody was automatically saved. Those that received. Scripture makes it very clear. Those that received, 3,000 people were saved. Now, Acts chapter 10, and now this is, spring forward here a little bit, we're going to take a look at the message here. This is the message that's preached to just Gentiles. These are not Jewish people. There's no... There's no, there's no, you know, he's going to shoot. Now, to me, we learn more from this message than any other message because how I many you know most of the people that you're going to be preaching to are Gentiles? Most of the people you're going to be sharing the gospel with are Gentiles. These are people who are um, unbelievers, right? And so I love this sermon because it helps, because it's only, you know, because the epistles are written to the church, but these are literal recorded sermons. And there's just so much that we can learn from these things. So Acts chapter 10, verse 34, and so Peter is about to go preach to the Gentiles. How many know God had to talk him into it? It wasn't easy for him to do. Like he had to, like he gave him a vision, he dropped down a net, said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Not so, Lord, I've not eaten anything that was common. He did it three times. Peter never rose and killed and eat. Um, it was hard for the Jewish mind to understand that God wanted to save Gentiles. 
Because their entire lives, they were taught to segregate from the Gentiles. And, and the reason being is God was trying to preserve their culture so that the, 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 the preservation of their witness and who they are would remain in the earth. They're the only culture that's managed to maintain itself for thousands of years without being um, consumed by other cultures. And the reason they, they have been is because God was so, hard, so strong on them and so stringent on them to maintain their identity. One of the greatest witnesses that Jesus is the Christ is the Jewish people. That they're still on this planet. They're a tremendous witness to the entire world. Amen. So anyway, and so it was difficult for them to embrace this concept. God actually wants to save people who are Gentiles. So Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it says, Then Peter opened his... Now, let me stop here. He's been sent to Cornelius' house, right? He's been sent to Cornelius' house. Uh, he's, this guy's a Roman centurion. This is the first Gentile that's about to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Peter gives him a vision, gives Cornelius a vision, go to his house. Now here's the interesting thing. A couple things I want to bring out about this. Notice the Lord didn't come and preach directly to Cornelius. He, had, he called someone to do it. And you have to understand, that's how God operates. And I understand people can have dreams and visions, and you can't put God in a box because you can't fit Him in there. But the primary way God is called for His kingdom to advance is through us. God could have sent an angel to preach the gospel to Cornelius, but that's not the way God wanted to do it. God sent Peter. Y'all tracking me here? That's the importance of, 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 of your voice. Now here's the thing. How I many know Peter was not perfect? I love Peter's flaws. Scripture records all of Peter's flaws. And he is the one that God chose to be a leader. I'm so thankful for that because it, can, it makes all, of us, all the rest of us feel better. <laughs> you know, but God said, I need this old fisherman's mouth to share the gold of the good news to this Gentile. So here comes Peter. He's going to go and he's going to preach. And this is what he says. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, and here I'm going to stop for just one moment and say this. Notice Cornelius isn't already saved. Notice someone has to go and preach the gospel to him. How I many you know? The reason I'm saying this is because universalism is ramped up again. And there's an attack against the scriptures. There's an attack right in the time where God wants us out sharing the gospel. There are whole portions of the body of Christ rising up saying, there's no need to preach the gospel. Everybody's already saved. That's not scriptural. And, and if, if, if universalism were true, then Jesus is the cruelest master on earth. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, Jesus sent these men that He loved, that He slept with and ate with and spent time with to preach a message that didn't need to be preached, and they were killed and crucified and martyred as a result of preaching this message. If it was not important for this message to be preached, then why in the world would He put them through hell, the hell that they went through. Peter was crucified upside down, church history says. Paul was stoned repeatedly. If, this mess, if it wasn't important for this message to be preached, then, then Jesus is the cruelest master on earth to send His, his disciples out to preach a message that didn't matter. I mean, you know, the gospel matters. The cross matters. And I know that this concept of this of this universal salvation can be attractive to, to your emotions and to think, man, we want everybody to be saved. We want, and we do want everybody to be saved. We want, the Bible says in Titus, it's God's will that all men be saved. But God is not going to begin this thing in free will and suddenly take free will away from man. 
this is not an arranged marriage. You are invited to the table. You're not forced to marry Jesus. You are not forced to be saved. If you were forced and it was an arranged marriage, it doesn't mean anything. You know, if, if I am made to marry my wife, my love doesn't mean that much. But if I choose her, my love means something. You see, the Lord chose all of humanity. And it's their decision whether they're going to choose Him back or not. And if they choose Him, their love means something. But if He forces us to marry Him, if He forces us to receive Him, that, that cheapens the cross. And, it, and, and there's actually no love there. We're just, we're just robots. Well, that's not the kingdom. If we're robots, then we should have never fallen in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if God had the ability to control our... And He has the ability, He chooses not to. But like, why not stop this thing from derailing in the beginning? And all the pain and all the suffering and all the hell that this earth has been through, right? No, no, no. God gave man free will. He's, we still have free will. We have the ability to choose. Amen? So I just want to hit that a little bit because... In a time when we need, when we're being sent out and we're being sent to, to, to preach the gospel, you got people on the sideline throwing rocks with universalism. And you know what universalism does? It attacks the kingdom. Because look, if everybody's saved, let's quit <laughs> and do something else that's easier and pays better. And there's no persecution. You follow me? Please. I'm going to throw you a mic. You can catch it. Okay. Yeah, I just said turn on it, turn on. Check. Universalism and Calvinism are cousins. Yeah. They do two things. They remove repentance mm -hmm. and responsibility mm -hmm. and, um, and therefore change. That's right. And so the hope to which we call is redemption of our bodies so that we could affect the earth. Our bodies are contact with the earth. Come on. And therefore the sons of God can manifest which is what all creation is groaning for. Come on. Yeah. It's good. It's a good word, man. It's a good word. And so, you know, it, it sounds like love, and it sounds like, you know, this amazing thing, but what it does is it actually brings apathy. It brings, it brings a sympathy. I remember when I tried to embrace Calvinism, this, this dark cloud came over me. And I was, you know, because Calvinism is who's saved is going to be saved, and who's not saved is not going to be saved. There's no element of free will. And it's like, it just, it, it sucker punched me in my emotions. It was just like, just darkness came over me. Because if, 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 if we have no part to play, let's do something easier. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but I'm, I remember when I was studying Calvinism, and I was on the verge of embracing it, it's when I came out of legalism, the Lord just spoke to my heart. And he's like, are those my words or are those man's words? And the conclusion was those were man's words. And the same is true for universalism. You cannot study out all the Scriptures and conclude that there's a universalistic salvation without faith. Now, if you, you can pluck a couple Scriptures here and there and come to that conclusion, but you can't study the whole thing and come to that conclusion. Because Jesus over and over and over and over again lets you know that there are going to be sheep and there are going to be goats. Amen? And that's not popular right now because we have this all-inclusive mentality. You know, we want to, you know, and, but it's just the truth. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love people. It means this. Creation's on fire. You're invited out. The way out is Jesus Christ. You don't have to stay in a place of condemnation. Amen? And so, um, 
And so, you know, in a time when we need to be motivated to share the gospel, this same stupid message is coming back around again, attacking the validity of Scripture, attacking the kingdom, and all it does is it brings a sense of apathy, and there's no application for the kingdom, and it's done under the banner of love, but it has to discredit Scripture in order to do it. It is not love. See, what, what if God came to Peter and said, hey, go preach to uh, Cornelius? And Peter's like, I ah, saved, Lord, it's all good. <laughs> You know, what if, that was, what if that was his response? He's already, Lord, he's saved. Everybody's saved. No, no. The Lord said, go preach. Go share the gospel. Amen? Okay. Just having to punch that lie in the face real quick. We'll continue. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever worships Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism with John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. This is his sermon. For God was with him. He's speaking this to a house full of people. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to judge to be the judge of the living and the dead. To Him all the prophets witness that through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. How I many know oh, that? That's the Gospel right there. That there's forgiveness in Jesus. He lets them know He died, He was raised from the dead. I'm going to read that again. To Him all the prophets witness that, to my, all the Old Covenant, through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive forgiveness. Now what you have to understand here is the next verse. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the Word. As soon as he... Notice, he doesn't talk about Cornelius' sin. I dare say as a Roman soldier, the bro probably committed some sin. But he doesn't bring his sin up. He doesn't call him out for being brutal or call him out for, for being angry or whatever that, it, you know, that a centurion would be at that time. He preaches Jesus and the forgiveness of sin and then God interrupts Peter's sermon and the Holy Spirit falls. So important to understand this. What was, I'm going to read it again because, like, God, Peter's done at this point. It's now God's turn to do his part. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, talking about Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Boom! Salvation happened. Right? You know, and, and, and notice, once again, He's not calling out everybody's sin. He's preaching Jesus. 
He preaches Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls, salvation happens, Cornelius and his whole house get saved. Are y'all tracking me here? Do you see a difference in their model and our model? <laughs> the modern day church's model is tell them all their sins, tell them all the sin that they're doing wrong. Focus on their sin, focus on their sin. You know, God hates this, God hates that, God hates that. I don't see that here. I hear Jesus being preached and the Spirit of God falling. Now, let's take a look at another sermon. Turn to Acts 13. This is Paul preaching, and this is a mixed crowd. There are Jews and there are Gentiles here. And let's see what's highlighted. I'm so thankful that God recorded some of these sermons. I mean, wouldn't y'all like to have like a sermon of Paul preaching like on audio? Man, I would love that. Or better yet, Jesus preaching. Golly, I say it all the time, but I wish Jesus would preach His own gospel because He can do a much better job than us. But God has invited us to be a part of what He's doing. Amen? And we are humbled that through the foolishness of preaching that people would be saved. Um, so Acts 13, and then this is Paul. Paul's about to, he's about to preach. And this is his full sermon. It's recorded here. Then Paul stood up. and uh, uh, Excuse me, Acts 13, verse 16. Now, what I also want to bring out is these, these things that are preached, these are evangelistic events. Like Paul is preaching to a mixed crowd. There's all kinds of people that are here, right? And um, so anyway, then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. Now that, when he's talking about you who fear God, listen, he's referencing the Gentiles that are there. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelled as strangers in the land of Egypt. He starts going through the, the Jewish you know, uh, lineage before he, starts, before he gets to the message. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelled as strangers in the land of Egypt with an uplifted arm. He brought them out of it. Now for a time, about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. When he destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. And after that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards, they wanted a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed... According to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to the people of Israel, and as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and all those among you who fear God, to you, the word of this salvation has been sent. So he goes through the lineage of Israel, and then we arrive to Jesus. And he says, to you, this word of salvation has been sent. How I many of all these people that are gathered here this time are about to have something really special happen? What's going to happen to them? The gospel is going to be preached to them. The opportunity to receive Jesus is going to happen to them. How I many of the purpose of the gospel is to reveal Jesus? And when you see Jesus, how many know you see the Father? And so there's something about the message that invites people into the kingdom. There's something about the message that would take a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, awful person like myself and change me and turn me into a new man. 
The purpose of the message is to point to Jesus. Not to point to an individual, not to point to a church, not to point to a denomination or non-denomination. The purpose is to point to Jesus. And when the message is shared properly, there will be a revelation of Jesus which will change people's lives. Amen? It says, uh, For unto you the word of this salvation has been sent, for those who dwell in Jerusalem and the rulers, because they did not know Him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning Him. And though they found no cause for death in Him, they asked Pilate that He should be put to death. And when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning Him, they took Him down from the tree, they laid Him in the tomb. But God raised Him from the dead. And He was seen for many days by those who came up with Him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are witnesses to the people." And we declare to you glad tidings. That promise which was made to the fathers, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that He raised up Jesus. And as it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today have I begotten you, and that He raised Him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. And He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David, Therefore, he also says in another psalm, and you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw no corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Now here it comes. Therefore, let it be known to you, mixed crowd, Jews, Gentiles, humanity. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. And by Him, everyone who believes, everyone who believes is justified from all things. From all things. This is a culture who've spent their whole lives trying to be free from sin. Never successful. You know, the temple sacrifices and, and, and all of these things, and the Gentiles viewing themselves as dirty dogs and not being good enough and not being able to be close to God. But how many know that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, God near us, God come down to all humanity? To everyone who believes is justified from all things. Everybody say all things. How many know all your things have been forgiven? It's good news, isn't it? it? You're completely forgiven. You are righteous in the eyes of God. You are just as righteous as Almighty God. You're just as righteous as Jesus Christ. Because any... I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to stop and preach the gospel to you for a minute to feed you. You know, I'm, I'm sharing how we share it, but I'm going to stop and feed you for just a moment. Because no other righteousness will get you into heaven. How many of you know the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was not enough to save them? How many of you know good works can't save you? How many of you know, you know rabbinical teaching can't save you? Church attendance can't save you. Giving can't save you. Nothing can save you except Jesus. And the righteousness that Jesus enjoyed in the earth. How many of you know Jesus enjoyed His righteousness? How many of you know He knew He had a relationship with God that could not be changed by the opinions of people? They were constantly coming after Him. They were constantly trying to scare Him. They were constantly condemning Him and, and, and calling Him you know, Beelzebub and making accusation against Him. But how many know Jesus knew that He was right with God? 
And he knew God heard his prayers. And when he walked the earth, he walked the earth as a man who was right with God. He that knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Him. Okay? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God's righteousness and sin do not occupy the same place. There is no sin in your born-again spirit. Not a drop, not a tiny little bit. Your spirit is wall-to-wall holy. And the Holy Spirit dwells in your spirit because you have been made that clean. Amen? So you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are no longer under the law. You are now under grace. What does that mean? That means sin is not going to be imputed to you any longer, according to Romans chapter 4. Because all your sin has been imputed to Jesus 2,000 years ago. So you have an eternal forgiveness. doesn't mean you can't mess up and make a mistake. How many of you we can still make mistakes? Here and here, but it can't touch here. Because the work of the cross was that powerful. The work of the cross was that final. How many know Jesus did a good job on the cross? How many know you are saved? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It will not be taken away from you. No one can pluck you from the Father's hands. Because He's too strong and He's too mighty. You, your, your DNA has changed. You are intrinsically united to the Lord in one spirit. It's not going to change. Can I get an Amen. The more the church of Jesus Christ gets a hold of that and gets established in that and knows of the righteousness of God, we will actually become effective in sharing a ministry of reconciliation. Because for hundreds of years, we have not felt like we were reconciled to God. We felt like our reconciliation was up and down based on our conduct. Our reconciliation was up and down based on our church attendance. Our reconciliation was, based up, and, uh, was, was up and down based upon us. How many know you've been reconciled? Can I get an amen? You're the righteousness of God. So there's a rest that comes into your spirit. There's a confidence that comes in you. The same righteousness that Jesus enjoyed has been given to us as a gift. And our calling is to share that reality with the world. That, 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 that anyone can receive Jesus. How many of you there's no one out there who's too big of a sinner? No, no, no. No, no, the, the cross, the blood of the Lamb washed away all sin. It's a done deal, amen? And so now that you're reconciled, we've had this period of time where we're enjoying our reconciliation. And especially people that have come out of legalism, they need some time to enjoy that reconciliation. But you've been, you've been reconciled so that um, you can extend a helping hand and let others know that they've been reconciled as well. Are y'all tracking me here? And so... This message of righteousness is given. Let me read it to you again. This is the culmination of Paul's sermon. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, through Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. And then he goes on to say this, Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you, Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your day, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. That's how I feel about the gospel all the time. The news is so good, we struggle to believe it. We struggle to believe that we're truly right with God. And that's why we got to keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. You know, uh, uh, Martin Luther, the monk in the 1500s during the Reformation said, if I didn't preach this every day, I'd forget it. Amen. 
But it, this is the news. The, the, the cross was a success, and, and you're just as right with God as Jesus Christ is. You are as you should be before God. Can I get an amen? It's amazing news, isn't it? When you start to believe that and get a hold of that, it'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you walk. It'll change the way you talk. Good days, bad days, righteousness of God. It brings a steadiness into you. It brings a, a, a confidence into you. You become confident in your sonship. You become confident in being a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God. There's a confidence that comes to you. You're not laboring. You're not striving. You're not performing. You have a peace. Man, when I can look into someone's eyes and tell them that God loves them, and I know it, it carries a different weight. You know, Ten years ago, I could share that same message, but I didn't believe it. I mean, I did not believe God loved me. I never felt like I was good enough. I was in a legalistic cycle of performance. And it, it took a long time for that message to penetrate my heart. I had to listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because the sun, the sunshine of God's love was melting away the ice that man had put on my heart. That I wasn't good enough and I wasn't worthy enough. But, but slowly, now, in the backdrop of my mind, I'm not in expectation of God's punishment any longer. God's not going to punish me. Why? I, Jesus already took all that. Jesus already, the sin was condemned in Jesus' body. In the back of my mind, there's an expectation of the goodness of God. Now, the enemy still comes. The enemy still tries to condemn me. He, was, he is never going to stop trying to condemn you. Okay? You don't get to this place where you arrive and the enemy stops being the accuser. He's going to try to condemn you. I mean, he, he tried to condemn me over me not praying for that guy. I mean, he'll take something small like that, and if you let him, he'll, he'll rob your peace and destroy your faith if you, if you spend too much time looking at yourself. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. I, I totally understand why people would miss him. Oh, yeah. He had that religious mindset. And you see him doing that. Yep. He's going to look bad to you. That's so exactly right. The people would see that and they'd think, they're torn, you know, the Pharisees are saying, yes. what are you doing? He's breaking the law. That's right. So he said, Jesus, he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he was and confident. He knew exactly what was important. And he had a great view of that. That's right. So that's kind of interesting. That's good. Thank you for bringing it out. Freedom looks like rebellion to those that are in slavery. Because they would look at the disciples and they'd look at these guys. They're not washing their hands. They're eating the corn. You know, who cares about the fact that they're you know, healing people with blind eyes and, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and setting the captives free and doing all these wonderful things? Let's nitpick them. You know, someone look at me. Look at this guy's hair. He can't be saved. You know, or you're wearing blue jeans when you preach, or what? How many people will find some way to judge you? And here's the thing: they don't. Have, and that's why the Lord said in, in, in Hebrews, He said, "Look, He said, don't let anybody judge you. Don't allow. Don't give place to that. How many know before your own master you stand or fall? You know what I'm saying? Um, that's a really that's a good point. Thank you for sharing that. And so the enemy's not going to stop trying to condemn you." But if you'll get established in grace and you'll get your heart established in the love of God, it starts to lose its effectiveness. So now when I came to those young men who were coming out of drug addiction and alcoholism, I could look them in the eye and know that God loves them because of the fact that I've experienced a love. And so I'm not going to come up to them 
and like say, well, you, you know, gosh, God help us, man. Our approach has been so bad. You know, because one, one of the guys I was witnessing to was smoking a cigarette, right? Old school would have come up and said, well, you need to put that cigarette out. Lord hates that. Sinner. That's not in the book. I'm not going to, I mean, like, I'm not called to judge what they're doing. But I mean, you know, if, if he was smoking a crack pipe, I could still have looked in his eyes and say, God loves you. If he was right in the middle of, 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 a, of a transaction with a, with a prostitute, how I many you know I could still look into his eyes and say, God loves you? It's the love that's going to rescue them. It's not judgment for what they're doing. The Spirit of God will convict them of unbelief in Christ. They need to know that God wants them. They don't know God wants them. They need to know He wants them. And that's why, you know, that's why he said, you know, one of the parables of the kingdom, he said, you know, inviting people, you know, invite people to the wedding feast, invite them to the wedding feast, and nobody comes. And finally he says, go out in the highways and the byways and get the least of these and bring them to the table. Because those that felt, those that looked worthy didn't feel worthy or didn't come, so bring them in. He wants them all. He wants every one of them because they have worth in His eyes. Their sin does not make them disgusting to the Lord. He nailed the sin to the cross. The sin is not an issue any longer. The issue is unbelief. The issue is embracing a lie. we got to shine the light and let them know God wants you. The church might not want you. The, the, you know, the, the, the church down the street might not want you. That pastor may condemn you. This person, may, these are all representatives of God. They're not actually God. The truth is, is God does want you. He wants you. I mean, he'll take somebody sitting there smoking that crack pipe and set them free. And they'll become a trophy of his love and his grace. Can I get an amen? It, you don't clean the fish before you catch it. You got to catch it first. And, and so, like, I don't care what they're doing. I don't care. It's actually none of my business. I'm not Lord over their lies. I'm just, we are just messengers. We have, we have come to point to Christ. We've come to just point to Him and let them know God loves you. You have value. And, and see, when they can find out that God actually loves them and that they actually have value, they'll have hope to live a life that's worth living. You're not happy as a drug addict. There are no happy drug addicts. There are no happy people enslaved in sin. Because you're not designed to operate that way. You're not made like that. People, they can try to act like they're, well, I'm, I'm happy in this sin, and I'm happy in that, and I'm that. They can say that all day long. That's not the way they were created. You can't take a gallon of milk and pour it in a car and expect it to run well. And the Creator knows how they were created, and so He knows that they're not going to be happy like that. But He needs them to know that He loves them while they're in that. <clears throat> so He... he, he just preaches the gospel. And then he's done. Then you see, so when the Jews, so after he preached that message, he culminated in forgiveness. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words would be preached to them again the next Sabbath day. They begged. Why? Because 
we were dogs. We were unworthy. We were not as good. But all of a sudden, somebody comes saying that Jesus has included us, that we have value, that we have worth. I love how offended religion's going to be as they see all these people who are going to get saved. Let the elder brother get mad and throw a fit. Because we're going to kill the fatted calf, we're going to throw a party, and we're going to eat it. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we, we, <clears throat> no, no, no. God, I, self-righteousness needs to be offended. It's one of the only ways you get delivered from it. I mean, you don't really, you're going to have to just get mad and get over yourself. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, <clears throat> it's, uh, I can feel it when I'm preaching. It's not in here. But like when I'm out preaching somewhere or something, I can feel that thing. And the call on my life wants to confront it, you know, because it's like a, it's like a splinter in somebody's flesh. Really, it's like a, it's a, it's a a beam in their eye, but um, they need to get offended a lot of time. Not offended, but they need to get uh, confronted. Thank you. Confronted with it, with the reality that there's nobody better than anybody else. There will never be anybody better than anybody else. No one is any, we all need Jesus Christ. Amen. So anyway, hey, but so, so when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. How many of the Gentiles are begging for this message? You know, you know, like let's, 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 oh gosh, let's let them know that God loves them. Amen. Just let them know that they're forgiven. I love it. And, and, and the more confident you are in your own, the fact that God loves you and that you're forgiven, the more weight your words are going to carry as you share it with somebody else. And let me let you in on the secret. As you share it with somebody else, it's going to actually solidify it even stronger in you. So it's amazing. Did you have something again? Can I give you this mic so people can hear you? Go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh, for a while, trying to wrap my mind around put it. it. Put a oh, sorry, it's trying okay. to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, but I, I kind of had a just a revelation of what some things came together. You know, I mean, Jesus said that sin has no place in Him. Mm-hmm. Jesus is in me. Come on. So I can say sin has no place in me. That's right. That's exactly right. So I'm perfect before God. Yes. 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 And uh, the interesting thing was when we were. Um, when we were singing, I kept seeing like a dead tree. Mm. And when we were praising, and I felt like the Lord was saying, if you go out in a forest, you know, you, a tree can die. And there's a point which that tree is dead. But the tree's going to hang around. It's going to take a while for the branches to wither. It's going to take a while for the leaves to die off. And eventually, you're just going to have a, a skeleton. Yeah. But the tree's dead. It's not producing any fruit. There's yeah. no sap running in through it. Yeah. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And that's... Because that's what I've struggled with. Well, my behavior, how you know, the whole, like, why is my behavior? Mm-hmm. You know, how can God overlook that or yeah. whatever? You know, what does that mean? Sure. And it, I felt like the Lord was showing me it doesn't have any life. Mm-hmm. It's dead. Come on. And I'm dead to it. Come on. So it's dead. Yes. It's a dead tree. Yeah, you can see the dead tree. It's never going to produce any leaves. It's never going to produce mm-hmm. any fruit. Mm-hmm. It can't because it's dead. Yes. That's so, good. anyway. See, and what, what's beautiful about that is what you need to do, what we all need to do, is you need to recognize you, you, 
you reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. Just realize it. Like, it, sin's not in you, okay? It's, it has no place in you. So you and God are against that dead form that's in your mind, the carnal mind, the, car, the thought processes and the remembrances of who you used to be and the things that you used to do. Do you have the ability to submit to the carnal mind? Yes, you do. You have the ability to submit to it and you have the ability to make mistakes. But it's still you and the Lord united as one against that dead thing. Anytime the Lord will always show you your old life as being a dead person, the old man. Because it's, it's not who you are. Are y'all tracking me here? And the more you believe that, the more you understand that, the more it's going to impact your walk and it's going to change the way you live. And it's going to set you free from those behaviors. You follow me? But, but here's the thing. You're never going to, you're, you're not going to be perfect in this life. I never, want to, I never want to create an environment where you think that you're going to live flawlessly and you're never going to make another mistake. You, because that puts the attention on the wrong thing, puts the attention on you. You, you. you can't stare at you and walk on water. You know what I'm saying? You've got to look at Him. And, and looking at Him, there's a surrendering to His greatness. Are y'all tracking me? There's the walk of Christianity is a surrender to Him. And you understand what I'm saying? So you're always going to be in the act of being rescued. Are y'all tracking me here? Like you're always going to be, you're, always, you're never going to get so sanctified and holy that you don't need Jesus. <laughs> Your weakness is going to remind you that you need Him. And if you'll allow the gospel to play its role, your weaknesses and your failures will cause you to fall more in love with Him. Are you tracking me here? Now, I'm not preaching a message where I'm saying it's okay to go sin. I'm not saying that. That's not what the book says. Um, the, Bible say, the Bible says, how can we go and live in sin when we've been set free? Are y'all tracking me here? Please understand that. And the more that you believe what she's talking about, the more your heart's going to be established in grace, and the more sin is not going to have dominion over you, and it's not going to control you and own you. Can I get an amen? Yeah. The only time sin has dominion over you is when you think you're somebody you're not. You've embraced an identity of the past, or you've embraced something that, that is saying this is who you are. That's not your identity. If you can place your identity in Christ, then the law of liberty kicks in, and you get set free from the dominion of sin. Are y'all tracking me here? Now, it's still going to try, it's still going to knock on your door. I mean, you know, temptation's always going to knock. There's all different types of temptation, and it's always going to knock. But there's a difference in it knocking and it having you in a headlock. Are y'all tracking me here? So I, I just wanted to say that because um, I don't want to create an environment where, you th where you're going to strive to try to live perfect. It, that, that mindset will set you up for failure because you're staring at you. What I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. What I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. Yes. And that's not an empowerment. It's like trying to drive to church by staring at the ditch. Got to stay out of the ditch. Got to stay out of the ditch. Got to stay out of the ditch. How I many know you stare at the ditch, you're going to be in the ditch? No, look ahead. Look forward. Look at Jesus and drive. And just chill. And, and, and because it, it's the anxiety and the striving that causes us to end up in the ditch. 
This, this, this life with the Lord, it's an easy light yoke, and there's, there's like a rhythm to it, and it's, there's a, I don't know, it's just so much better. It, it's sometimes difficult to, 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 to put into to words. So, yeah, throwing it to you again. Amen. The worst thing that you can do in your walk doesn't disqualify you, and the best thing that you can do in your walk doesn't qualify you. Yes. Yes, sir. So, the, so you can't, you're only qualified by, the work that we must do is believe. Yeah. So the issue, he said, is unbelief. It's not our output, it's do we believe. It's good. And therefore, and, and we can be set free from sin or the, the struggle, but it's, it's the renewing of the mind where it just doesn't, you don't want it. I used to do things prior to being radically set free, saved, and I had no more desire. I was set free from it. Come on. You know, but then there's, there's a growth too. So I fall, uh, you know, you're stumbling into Papa's lap and you're stumbling into and you, you're growing. Good. And then in repentance, changing the way you think, you, that you wouldn't have a do-over. You just, he redeems you. If you had the opportunity to do it again, you wouldn't do it that way because you've been, and so he takes it wipes it away and you're actually free from the you know from it so you're not qualified by your actions or disqualified by your actions you're qualified by his amen it's good and it allows your focus to be on him and not on yourself yeah. and uh, that is a massive game changer brian you got something turn this back on here amen there, uh, there's, there's no longer a demand of perfection, but an invitation to freedom. Yeah, it's good, man. It's good. There is no longer a demand. There's never been a demand for perfection. There's only been an invitation to freedom. It's good. And what Jeremiah said was talking about from the Word of God. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And what the enemy tries to do when he comes with temptation is try to get you to identify with that. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, that's what you know, that's what you want. You need to look him right back in the eye and say, liar, that's not what I want. I want Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. It's good. I had, an, I had an instance this morning where, so, where someone this week sent me a private message on Facebook inviting me to something lewd. Lewd. Something evil. And I said back to him, I said, I can't. I'm a Christian. And I, and, and I said, uh, and she goes, yeah, but, yeah, but they, they reinitiated that back. I said, but I love Jesus and my heart is for him. That killed it. They got off. They went away. Yeah. I identified with that thing that came at me. I identified by what I was. And the Lord, it's by the grace of God because the Lord's taught me this. Yeah. And that's how you overcome it. Yeah. I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with Jesus. That, that thing that you are tempting me with, mm-hmm. that's, that's not me anymore. That's not who I am. Good. When, you, when you realize that God hates sin because sin kills us. It's all about his love for us. It's all about what it does to us. It's not about him proving how good he is. He's good whether we think he's good or not. God is who he is whether we believe it or not. The point is us and our well-being. That's the point. 
That's all he cares about is us and our well-being. He doesn't gratify himself. He doesn't elevate himself. He's about people, and he's about their well-being, and that's what makes him so glorious. It's good. It's good. Thank you. So, you know, we took a look at how they preach. What they preach, they preach Jesus. They preach forgiveness. And so that, that, that should be our approach as well. You know, and, and um, so when you share, uh, you know, when you witness, when you share the message, you know, you know, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, that, that through him it might be saved. And so I feel like God is raising up messengers of grace, man, messengers of the gospel, uh, because we now know we've been enjoying it, and now it's time to share it. And uh, so I just, uh, I mean, just that simple, right? You can look someone in, any person you see next week, God loves them. Yes, sir. He loves them, man. And so for you to tell them that God loves them and God loves them more than anyone's ever loved them before, it's the truth. And uh, if they'll believe that, it'll change them. But how are they going to believe unless somebody tells them? Y'all tracking me here. <clears throat> and so we want to share that message. You know, I don't see one place where somebody's standing on the street corner in the book of Acts telling everybody about their sin. Yeah. Only thing I see him, only thing I see him preaching is Jesus. Jesus is the catalyst of, of everything that, that's going on. So anyway, so so that we want that approach. Amen. Now, I'll also say this, and we're closing right now, is that there, God poured out His Spirit, and there were signs and wonders and miracles and healings and answered prayer that happened the whole time. <clears throat> Your part is to get the message right. What's the message? Jesus. It's God's part to do all the other stuff. Are you all tracking me here? So, so just pray for people, man. You know, pray for people and, and love on people, and God is going to give you opportunity. It's like I told the week before. You know, He's going to set you up, man. He's going to give you the pitch, you know. And, and take that opportunity, you know. Um, and, but here's the thing. If, if it doesn't work out next week and it doesn't happen for you and it doesn't happen, how many know there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus? Can I get an amen? Enjoy being a child of God. You know what I'm saying? There's so much that's done through you just being confident in God's love for you. I mean, the way you carry yourself is different. You're, you're an agent of peace, amen? So anyway, with all of that, oh, go ahead, quickly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Romans yeah. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the yeah. righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. It's good. Good word. It's a true statement. Very good. So, amen. Cool. Awesome. All right. So, we're done. Um, and then uh, just give people an opportunity to give. If you guys want to sow into our ministry, we'd be grateful for that and thankful for that. I just want to say thank you to everybody that gives into our ministry. Uh, if you guys are watching online and you want to give, uh, just go to gracepointgeorgetown.com and you can give that way. If you guys want to give in here, lift your hand up and Tim will get you an envelope or um, however that you want to do it. We uh, are grateful for people supporting our ministry. Amen. It's good to... Um, Give back to ministries that are feeding you. There's a blessing on that. Amen. Um, then just a couple announcements here. Uh, we are going to begin doing prayer here from 9.30 to 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. 
and it'll be in the upper room. So if you guys want to come in a little bit early and, and uh, do some prayer, uh, please feel free to do that. And then also, you know, of course, we're going to do evangelism on uh, Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. We're just going to meet here, quickly pray, and hit the streets for about an hour or so. I would like to say that we, we wrapped up at Paul and Connie's house, and we got to just knock on their door and love on them a little bit and talk to them. So that was a real blessing, too.